Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we got a studio full. I tell you, it's overcast on downtown Austin. There's a lot going on. The Pride Festival was this weekend. Yesterday was Pride Parade, and I'm still hanging over from then. I still have a hangover. But you know what? I'm hanging in there. Things are going great. I got my attorney inside the studio, so what just break it. Give me what you have. And then also, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna let Max stay for about five minutes, and I promise you, we're kicking him out. Oh, please. Yeah, we're gonna get rid of him. <laughs> gonna kick him right hey, on his butt. You asked me to stay. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, you did. We're gonna let him stay for a little bit. And uh, but you know, today we have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about what's happening with Alex Jones. You Uh-oh. know, you know, first, you know, they came for this group. And I did nothing. Then they came from, came for this group over here, and I did nothing. And then they came for me, and there was no one left. So are we going to allow this to happen? You know, even though this is a private company, I understand that. This is a private company. They can do whatever they want. But at some point, they have a monopoly. At some point, how far do we let the telephone company go? At, at some point, where do we stop the electric company? At some point, where do we stop the gas company? So there's, you know, there's there's something here that's going on. And we're talking about affecting the election of this country. This is, I think, a national emergency. But I, ha- I have some heads. There's some heads that are shaking no in here. So, Felicia, you're saying no. Why do you say no, Felicia? I see you. I know. You're avoiding eye contact. So the phone company, the yeah. internet provider, the yeah. gas company, those are service providers. Okay. What services Facebook provide you with? It's not a service provider. They're not a service? They are a private company. Because it's company. new technology. You're they saying it's a not a service? They are a company. So it's and the, they so can do the whatever they want. So is the telephone opening, company. That's a service provider. They're a private company. But they're a service provider. So I heard you on the radio because I was driving and the you maniac just, on you're MoPac. You're just like, oh my God, he's ah, killing me right now. I have to get there. Um. So, oh, okay, I'm going to calm and breathe one minute, collect my thoughts. Usa. So, if Facebook wants to remove these people, that's fine. Okay. Because then they're setting themselves up to be a publisher mm-hmm. and not a provider, which then means that they can be sued for other things, mm-hmm. which will let the free market run its path. That's what the free market does. The government should not get involved. The government never fixes anything. 
True. Okay? I agree. This and the I agree. service provider, the only way it would be a free speech issue if the internet, if AT&T and Spectrum were like, we're not going to host Alex Jones. That is where it's a free speech issue. Mm-hmm. That's when the government gets involved. You- Facebook, there's, you're telling – the only way Facebook – Stopping Alex Jones would be a problem if there's no other way to access him. Exactly. The government does not need to get involved, period. End of discussion. I don't need an amen choir over here. Okay. <laughs> Zach. Okay, Felicia. So if he could put his stuff out on pen and paper, would that be another way for him to get out there? Um. Yes. <laughs> okay, so. But the pen company couldn't ban Alec jo- Alex Jones from buying his pens. Yeah, they couldn't. The, pa- the a paper could say, no, we don't want to publish you, but that's the free market. It's a private entity. The free market can say, like, nope, we're not putting our money behind you. Edwin Walker, what do you think about all this stuff? Because we haven't asked you anything yet. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me uh, live in studio. This and time by the way, Edwin the Walker is here live <clears throat> in studio. He's a, the principal attorney for Texas and U.S. Law Shield. He's my attorney. You know? And I'm sure you need him all the time. Oh, trust me. Yeah. To keep me from dealing with you, I need Edwin Walker. Yeah, I'm sure you oh, do. Yeah. I have a I have a special icon on my phone when Mike calls. Oh, <laughs> Frequent uh, dial. Yes. So actually, I'm of two minds on this, and that's why I think we need to keep our language clear in that there is the philosophical free speech issue, the marketplace of ideas, and then there is the legal First Amendment issue. And, yes, the First Amendment only regulates government activity. So it's not a First Amendment issue, but it is a philosophical free speech issue. And so it's the same as, say, the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment says that the government cannot, you know, search your your person's paces and personal effects without probable cause. Uh, But that doesn't contain – restrain your employer. Your employer is a private person – can you know search your work locker, search your desk, do whatever they want because they're not a government actor. And so the same thing applies here. I think that it's important that we talk about whether or not uh, whether or not Facebook is adhering to the ideals of free speech and of allowing people who even have uh, you know outrageous or radical views to be heard versus you know do is there any liability here under the First Amendment, which I do not believe there is. Um, so philosophically, we can talk about, you know, should they allow people? Um, and Facebook is not really a monopoly um, because, you know, we all remember MySpace, right, or Friendster or the others. And so it's a fad, a flash in the pan, and five years from now it may be some other service that is providing the uh, the, the, the social network that everybody seems to want. Uh, and also uh, nobody, you know, nobody's forced to join or or. You know, nobody's forced to join or participate in Facebook. So. Actually, I have to say this is Max. I have to say I agree with this twice now in two weeks that I've agreed with, with you. Yeah, I'm sorry with Felicia. Because, oh, God. because yeah, I, I totally, don't even like this guy right now. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, and even with your lawyer. I, I have lawyers <sighs> on staff as well, and I have to tell you that uh, you don't always want lawyers around. But, <laughs> but in this case, having a lawyer is a good idea. No, I totally agree. I think you're absolutely right. And that uh, it's not a question of limiting speech. I agree with you that the fact remains that the, no one st- – if you want to go to Infowars.com, he's right there. And guess what? Didn't he upload some of his videos to some other sites already? He did. I don't remember what they're called, obviously. Which one? We can't hear you. Let's talk to yeah. the mic. BitChute is one of them. What's it's, it? Oh, BitChute. Like oh, okay. The okay. new YouTube, yeah. basically. Oh, okay. For the record, I think Facebook is acting inappropriately 
economically. People are going to get ticked off and they're already looking for other platforms and other outlets. Constitutionally, again, free speech, the First Amendment only applies to the government. Um, They're going to set themselves up to be set up as a publisher and then be sued when other fake news is, is posted on their website. But you can get mad and you can get mad and leave. But you can't get mad and tell them you can't do this because they're a private entity. They have every right to do it. Well, let's look at what these companies are doing. It's I know it's not the U.S., but with the Chinese government, Google's having secret meetings with the Chinese communist government. They've actually, Google has released an app that removes Google search results that are deemed controversial by the Chinese communist government for things like... Uh, human rights abuses, religious abuses, anything with the word anti-communist, dissidents, 1989 Tiananmen Square protests, Animal Farm, 1984. So these companies are actively working with the Chinese government to censor In China, though, let's be very yeah. clear. In First China. they came for the socialists. I oh did not God. speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. The right choice for breaking news first. Talk 1370. The right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Well, I'm asking you to come back. I'm asking you to come back for that. All right, so we're inside the studio in Austin, Texas. That's right. We're sitting here. We're watching the skyline. We're discussing the First Amendment. We're talking about Alex Jones. We're talking about any conservative radio host out there whose voice has been silent. And so, you know, and honestly, I have feelings about this. You know, maybe I need to step back. And remove my feelings from it and think about it from a conservative standpoint. You know, I'm not going to say Felicia's right because I'm not going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh oh, Michael's in his feelings again. <laughs> I'm not giving you a benefit of the doubt. Someone call the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, I'm I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to soak this all in and and maybe I need to just reanalyze it just a little bit. So Edwin, you're you're saying, you know, hey, you don't see this. You're looking at the Russia, you know. Everything that everyone's saying about the Russians versus this incident here. And I want you to go ahead and expand on that a little bit. Well, yeah. Um, one thing that's always puzzled me about this idea that there was Russian interference with the election, uh, simply putting out information and leaving it up to the reader as to whether or not it's true or not, I don't see as, as a form of interference. Uh, information, regardless of what source it comes from, I don't think, you know, can affect you know, has has a detrimental effect on an election process. As long as there was not interference with the way that a vote is cast or the way that a vote is counted, um, it is it's not interference. It may be influence, it may be advocacy. I don't think it matters where it comes from, whether it comes from domestic or foreign sources. It's up to each individual to ferret out what information they choose to believe before they cast a vote. And that's it. That's why this whole idea, every time they use the, the word interference or tampering or affecting, I think it's a ridiculous term. I think that, you know, anybody, uh, countries have been putting out information to affect other countries' elections for centuries. You know, the U.S. has done it more than anybody else. And so I don't see it as a problem as, like I said, as long as they don't 
hack systems to affect how vo- votes are counted or how votes are cast, then there's there's no issue. And how that relates to the whole Alex Jones thing is that, you know, I, I don't know. I think that there ought to be an area, uh, some sort of site where, you know, Facebook used to be that site. They used to say, look, you can you can talk about whatever you want. Uh, but then they started putting in all these subjective standards about is this hate speech? Is this the truth? What do you, you know, uh, uh, does it does it say something we don't like? And now they're starting to draw lines. And I think that you will see a reaction to that in the marketplace. Uh, so there needs to be just a site that says, look, we are a free speech zone. You can come in, say whatever you want. It can be the truth. It can be a lie. It can be nice. It can be mean. Uh, we're just putting it out there and let the let the chips fall where they may. All right. So you're saying, hey, if we don't like that platform, we don't like Facebook, then, then maybe we should stop using their services and use someone else. Well, that's correct, and that's the that's the response to anything. Um, you know that that's why people will you know they'll frequent restaurants that, uh, and I, I I think it's ridiculous, but everybody has the right to make their own decision uh, to decide whether or not a restaurant follows your own political views. Or, uh, for example, just this weekend, uh, there's an extremely popular Mexican food restaurant in Houston called El Tiempo. Um, El Tiempo's got several restaurants, uh, several uh, stores, several restaurants around town. Uh, they serve great food. And the owner happened to post a picture this weekend of him with Jeff Sessions. And people lost their mind about they were going to start boycotting El Tiempo and how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. And the owner's just like, hey, I had somebody famous come into my restaurant. I wanted to take a picture of him and post on the website. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't, you know, didn't make any political assumptions, but that's, that's one thing. There, there appears to be people of a particular political bent that really want to politicize every single thing that happens in the world. And I think that's a ridiculous way to live. But the government shouldn't come in and try to control it. We should just say, hey, that's a really ridiculous way to live and, you know, try to affect change that way. All right. So, Zach, you say still, you know, no, you're just not feeling this. This is not right, you know, because they come for Alex Jones and next they're going to come for, you know, come and talk it. Yeah, basically. I have a lot of uh, questions about this. You know, it uh, leaves a lot unanswered. You know, you go back and you think about what our free press is and you look at mainstream media back in the Iraq war, they told everybody that there were WMDs over there and that led to the invasion of Iraq. Mm, Lies, fake news, hundreds of thousands of people dead in Uh Iraq as well. Yeah. Yet CNN is what, what's their slogan? Like, Oh, real news or whatever they say. I don't Mm. even know. Right. Apples and apple. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, they want to come after Alex Jones. They want to lobby Facebook to take him off. What's their agenda? Felicia? Maybe they're just mad because Alex Jones had more followers on Facebook than they did. I'm hmm. sorry. I, I like clocked out mentally for a second. Who is the they that you're referring to? Uh, which? <laughs> who's they? Who's who's they lobbying? CNN. CNN uh-huh. lobbied to have Alex Jones yeah. removed and then Facebook acquiesced. Uh-huh. Well, well that's maybe business. not directly That's business. because of that. Those are all private entities. And everyone's acting like fake news is a new thing, right? Have you all ever heard of the National Enquirer? Come on, guys. Fake news has always been around. There's always been 
pieces of the truth bundled onto everything. It's our job as intelligent, sentient beings to read it and say, hmm, fact or fiction. You have to stop living in this bubble saying, well, that's not true, so I must be protected from things that are lies. That's going down a very, very rocky path, 1984-style Ministry of Truth type stuff. So, okay, CNN was upset that Alex Jones had more followers. Most people followed Alex Jones because he's a nut job. If there's a mountain that we're going to die on, I'm not going to make it Alex Jones for me personally. (laughs) The simple fact of the matter is Facebook's a private entity, CNN's a private entity, until the government says we don't want Alex Jones on Facebook anymore and then Facebook acquiesce, acquiesces, that's where it's a problem. Right so you now, have to hear you the can government be say that. just delete your Facebook profile. So you have to hear the government ask CNN to do that or Facebook. So to- you think the President Trump-led government asked CNN to ask Facebook to remove Alex Jones? I don't think I that love conspiracies, Trump but that one's picked up the phone and did that. No, not like you describe. I think that Alex Jones talks about a lot of controversial topics. He exposes Alex Jones a lot of government corruption. Is a controversy, and that's uh, he fine. He absolutely is. Can you right now on your phone, computer, or laptop find Alex Jones and his material? You can. Then it's not a free speech problem. Yeah, this this issue about journalism has been around for really forever. I mean, 130 years ago in the Gilded Age, it was called yellow journalism. It wasn't called fake news. It was called yellow journalism. Uh, and in fact, it's kind of interesting that you brought up the Iraq war because a lot of people blame yellow journalism for getting the U.S. involved in the uh, Spanish-American war. Um, so it's been around forever. Obviously, now we just have much larger platforms, but that's just part of our evolution as humans. Well, yeah, and it's it's the same. The this, the media has been incredibly irresponsible for decades. Uh, again, going back to the war in Iraq, getting us involved in that. Um, you know, they're all on the RussiaGate thing right now. Where okay, they maybe influence some people on Facebook. I'll take that over our meddling in Libya, where we had a world leader get sodomized to death, and now there's a slave trade in Libya again. So, really, what's what's the worst uh, thing there as far as government agencies are trying to affect? Uh, the governments of of different countries. So it's been incredibly irresponsible by the media to harp on this Russiagate the way that they are, and it's incredibly irresponsible of them to be celebrating Alex Jones being taken off because socially that's going to give credence to what he says. It's going to make people think, oh, they're scared of what he's saying. There must be some truth there. And now people are going to think that, you know, frogs are being really turned gay from chemicals. And I just I just looked on Facebook. So the National Enquirer does have a page that is still up. How about the World Weekly News? That's the real fake one. That's the one with World Bat Weekly Boy. News. Yeah, that's oh. the one with Bat Boy and all the other weird stuff. Uh, but the, the most scary thing that come out of this Alex Jones is the uh, support uh, for Facebook that Senator Chris Murphy has been giving them, Senator from Connecticut. Uh, he is one of the leading voices against the Second Amendment, and uh, he thinks that Facebook should do more to suppress uh, speech on their platform. And whenever you have a senator speaking like that, you're, I think you're getting really close to the line of him perhaps entertaining the idea that legislation can be passed to do the same thing, which obviously that crosses the bright line and between these companies, free speech and First Amendment. Yeah, these companies want to basically kowtow to the government and do what they want so that they won't be regulated. So if they do what they think that the government wants them to do, then that might avoid 
future regulation for them. All right, That's so worrisome. Our call-in number is 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. I want to hear what you think, you know, what should be done with this. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not Jewish. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Bar News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere with the all-new Radio.com app. Check your phone's app store or visit Talk1370.com slash app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. So we have inside the studio Edwin Walker. He's the principal attorney for Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Uh, also, we're talking about guns and weed this weekend. That's right, guns and weed. Talking about, you know, just free your mind and just let everything go. And you know what? We just really need to legalize it. We really need to, you know, it's, we really just need to legalize it. And it's something I honestly don't like it. You know, I, I never, I just don't like it. It's, not, it's just not my thing. But I do think it's, the, it's a First Amendment issue, you know, and it's something that we need, need to address. Also, I think it can help us. Tax-wise in Texas, I think it can help us, you know, maybe lower our property taxes if that's a, something that we can tax. So let me let me let my libertarian friend chime in on that guns and weed. Well, specifically on the weed issue, <laughs> I I have to think that the founding fathers couldn't conceive of a time where the government was going to prevent people from growing and using a plant. Otherwise, I have no doubt they would have put that in the Bill of Rights. But I think in their mind, they just couldn't even fathom that – a government was going to try to control what people grew and used, something that comes from the ground. So uh, as far as that goes, I think that would have been written in the Bill of Rights if it had even been a conceivable concept at that time. But absolutely, it's your body. Uh, there's incredible medical benefits to it, and you should be allowed to not only ingest it or you know, take it in any, any form that you want, but you should be able to grow it in your own backyard if you so choose. All right. So before we get to the uh, the Texas marijuana uh, conference, someone has a question for you, Edwin. So I have a question that says that, hey, my ex won't leave me alone and he's made threats in the past and hasn't recently. But his emails show hate. Is it considered a threat or illegal if I respond and say, don't come near me? And if you do, I'm armed. And I've told him to stay away. In emails, and I can't seem to block him on emails. And I'm going to change my email, but I still fear I'm potentially in danger. Um, yeah, she can respond with the emails, uh, basically giving him a warning. That's perfectly fine. Um, if the emails are constant, um, and if the unwanted contact is constant, uh, she may want to contact her local police department because. Pardon me. There are about eight different ways under Texas law that somebody can commit the crime of harassment. And so he may have already trodden into that area. And so if the local police examine the evidence that she would turn over to him, they can file charge. The local district attorney's office can file charges on him. And as part of that, 
uh, the court can issue bond conditions or can issue an order against him, uh, ordering him to have no contact with her whatsoever. All right. Uh, Janai, you want to add anything to that at all? Um, no, I think that pretty much answers. It was my, It's my ex-husband. Oh. <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> you know what? I, I think people should know these things. I have no problem being open about it. Um, yeah, he, he hasn't emailed me in a little while, but um, he will go in spurts where he'll leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, he <laughs> comes out of the woodwork and starts emailing me. And he's smart enough to know not to say anything blatant. He hasn't, to my face, said many, 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 many times that if I quote unquote take him down financially, which he believes since in our settlement, I got something. I did take him down financially that I would end up six feet under. But And he did assault me, but I was one of those women that never reported it. So, um, yeah, he'll pop up and he knows where my business is and he knows I live downtown. So um, I've said everything I can, but I've, I've talked to people and they always tell me it's really difficult to get a restraining order. Well, in the context of a divorce... Um, and I don't know how long ago your divorce was, but actually in the context of a divorce, uh, restraining orders are issued as a regular par for the course with regard to divorces and protective orders in the context of a divorce is not that hard to get. All you need is uh, evidence proving that there has been a past episode of family violence and credible evidence that without the protective order, there is the risk that he would commit another act of family violence. And family judges, when when faced with issuing a protective order, almost always default to go ahead and issuing the order because they never want to be the judge on the news. Mm. You know, after somebody gets killed with the news media going, you know, this lady asked for a protective order. Why didn't you grant it? And so just as a you know CYA, they almost always grant protective orders. So if you've already gotten your divorce um, as a former spouse, uh, you have just as many rights to get a protective order as a former spouse as you would as a current spouse. Uh, You never stop being a former spouse for family violence purposes. Uh, Plus, those coupled with Texas's vast terroristic threat laws, harassment laws, and trespassing laws, uh, anything that he would do to present some sort of, you know, threat to you in person, I'm quite certain that he would violate one of those. Makes sense. All right. So if you have a question for Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield, definitely give us a call. That's 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Definitely give us a call and ask Edwin those tough questions. All right. So now let's talk about the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference. So this weekend, that's what happened. Not only did we have pride in Austin, we also had the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference where you had you know, activists from around the country and here in Texas were actually working on you know, maybe discussing some different ways on how we can get Texas to change their marijuana policy. And so we actually had a cannabis and Second Amendment rights policy this morning. And with that um, panel, it was actually an all-Texas panel. And we discussed you know, just basically – what are the, the cans and cannots and what are the do's and do nots when it comes to the Second Amendment and cannabis? And, you know, and Edwin was on that panel with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. 
And it was a lot of information. It was a lot. It was a lot about the 4473, what happens when you walk into a gun store and you want to purchase a firearm, whether the cans and cannot. Um, it was a lot about, you know, past um, different court cases. And it was a great panel. I actually learned a lot just by sitting back and listening to what Edwin had to say. And, 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 you know, and I want him to kind of highlight some of those things uh, today because it was a lot of information that we that some people miss. A lot of people miss this this stuff, and this is something that we need to work on in 2019, where we can possibly help Texas actually legalize marijuana, so that way some people that are hurting, you know, and and this is basically, you know, who cares? This is a plant. This is about you know something that we're saying, hey, because uh, someone wanted to use something different. Instead of using this, they decide to get it banned by working within the government. And so we don't need the government telling us what we need to own in our own homes. That's really what this boils down to. If they can ban a plant, then the government can ban anything. And so I guess that falls along the lines with, you know, what Felicia was saying with this Facebook business. But you know what? No, you can't have the mic. So anyway, so <laughs> we're going to go to Edwin. So I'm going to let Edwin talk about the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference and, and some of the things we discussed uh, this morning about cannabis and the Second Amendment rights. So, Edwin? Well, it was great to sit on the panel with you this morning uh, talking about these issues. And you're exactly right. The, this issue stems from the fact that the federal government uh, has passed a law declaring that marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic, uh, the same as any other Schedule One narcotic that they have deemed has no medical use whatsoever. And so this, coupled with the fact that the government, the federal government, also regulates who can purchase a firearm through a through an FFL, a federal firearms license dealer, uh, this has created a situation where uh, states, people who are in states that have decided to either decriminalize marijuana or create medical marijuana issues, uh, medical marijuana cards, uh, special licenses, permits, uh, they are naturally going to be in conflict with the fact that the federal government says marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic. Um, and these two issues, uh, these two things simply cannot coexist in law. And so both the ATF and the courts have upheld the fact that if you are a medical marijuana user, and you also want to purchase a firearm from a federal firearms dealer or you want to continue to possess firearms that you already have, you have to choose between those two. Uh, under law, under federal law, you cannot be both a medical marijuana user and a lawful purchaser or possessor of firearms. So now, Edwin, what is, how does that affect someone that's in the state of Colorado where marijuana is actually legal in that state? You're telling me that marijuana is legal in Colorado. Legal. And so they walk into a gun store. You're saying that the feds can say, hey, no, you cannot purchase a gun from this FFL dealer, federal firearms license dealer. Yeah. One of the one of the required questions, as you're well aware, uh, question 11E specifically asked if you are an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance, including marijuana. And if you put yes on that form, then you are disqualified. There is no further inquiry needs to be done whatsoever. Uh, you've admitted that you're not qualified to purchase a firearm, and your transaction ends abruptly at that point. Uh, in the event that you put no, but the dealer has reason to believe that you are, in fact, uh, an unlawful user of marijuana, 
uh, which according to the ATF, the definition of unlawful user includes somebody who has been given a state, includes somebody who's been given a state uh, medical marijuana card. Uh, if the dealer knows that you have one of those, then the dealer has authority to deny you. Now, if you say no and the dealer doesn't know you have one of these medical marijuana cards, you go ahead and you get your firearm because you've said no to 11E, you've otherwise qualified, and then you actually get caught with both marijuana and the firearm at the same time, uh, you can be prosecuted for a felony for falsifying the information on your 4473. Also, you can be prosecuted under 18 U.S.C. 922 G3, which says that it's unlawful for a person who is an unlawful user addicted to marijuana to be in possession of any firearm. And so that's where we're left is it's a violation both for you to purchase the firearm. It's a violation for the dealer to sell you the firearm and it's, and it's a violation of law for you to be in possession of the firearm. So it really is an area of law that is fraught with peril, especially in light of the fact that uh, so many States uh, have now created this miracle, uh, medical marijuana situation, including our neighbors to the north, Oklahoma. Mm. All right. And we're talking about the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference that actually is going on this weekend. It ends today, last day. So we want to get down there to uh, the Sheridan Austin Hotel and get some more information on what's going on so you can help when it, 2019 rolls around. You can help with some of that legislation and get this passed. This is Michael Cargill. And you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We have Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield inside the studio. And he's answering those tough questions. We're talking about the 4473, that form that you fill out when you walk into the gun store to purchase a firearm. And so we're talking about those different questions that are actually on the form. So 11A says, hey, are you the actual transferee or buyer of the firearm? B says, are you under indictment or information in any court for felony? C says, have you ever been convicted in any court of a felony? D says, are you a fugitive from justice? E, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug or any other controlled substance? Warning. The use of possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. F says, have you ever been adjudicated as a mental defective or have you ever been committed to a mental institution? G, have you been discharged from the armed forces under dishonorable conditions? H says, are you subject to a court order restraining you from harassing, stalking, or threatening your child or intimate partner or child of such partner? I says, have you ever been convicted in any court of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence? And that could be a simple class C misdemeanor domestic violence, right, Edwin? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually that's where we're seeing a lot of of issues because what has happened with people <clears throat> with institutions providing more information um the Supreme Court determined uh, several years ago that with regard to misdemeanor crimes of domestic violence, they don't take what's called the categorical approach, which means that they don't actually look at the judgment and the judgment either says this was a crime of family violence or this wasn't. Uh, they use the circumstance approach, which means that the, the whatever the record reporting agency is, like here it's the Texas Department of Public Safety, they can actually go back, look through the records, look at the original complaint, the original indictment, and if the purported complaining witness or victim was a member of the person's family, you know, spouse, child, parent, somebody who's a guardian, um, then they can they can put that, they can enter that into the system as a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, which is a lifetime prohibition. And the thing about it is, is that uh, the DPS is now doing this with convictions that are decades old including convictions that came about before this even became the law in 1996. So the courts have held that it's not an ex post facto law. It's not a violation of the Second Amendment. It's not a violation of due process for, for the DPS to go back to a Class C misdemeanor assault that happened in 1990, look to see who the victim was, if it meets, if it meets the, the, the definition of family under the law, then now that person becomes disqualified uh, even if they had previously been qualified since 1990, they can now be disqualified permanently from possessing a firearm. All right, so let's go a little deeper with that. Let's say when I was in college, I had a disagreement with my roommate, and me and my roommate got into a little fight. Is that domestic violence? Well, college roommates is very interesting. Under Texas law, it is domestic violence. But under federal law, uh, federal law is limited to spouses parents, guardians. Um, it doesn't seem to cover just simple roommates. Uh, people that share a child, they are, they are considered family. So simple roommates, not, a, not family under, te- under federal law, but interestingly enough, they are family under Texas law. And so uh, in the event that, let's say that you had a college roommate 25 years ago, you happen to be out at a bar, you run into this college roommate, you're like, hey, you never paid me back that $20 you owed me and you get into a bar fight with your former college roommate, the district attorney's office can charge that as a crime of domestic violence. Hmm. Ooh. So, yeah, and it's actually happened. Um, it's not It's not so far-fetched. Uh, so because under Texas law, uh, people who are, you know, people who are in a relationship that includes members of a household or former members of a household are considered to be family under the Texas definition of family. So what's an example of a Class C misdemeanor domestic violence? A Class C domestic violence would be like... Um, Slapping somebody. Just a threat. No, a slap would be... A slap would probably be a Class A. Uh, a, a, a Class C is either a threat Verbal. or some touching that was offensive but not did not cause an injury. So any con- any physical contact that actually created a, a the feeling of pain, the sensation of pain, that's actually a class A. Ooh. So if it was contact, but it was offensive or provocative contact, but not painful, 
then that would be a class C. So a if you of, uh, held a, down your college roommate and tickled them, that might be. that If, if they <laughs> charge that and you pled to that. Uh, but also what we're seeing is that, <laughs> you know, a lot of class A's were pled down to class C's. I'm just thinking about the things I've done the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually have to. Well, uh, first of all, consent is a defense to uh, any charge of assault. Ooh, thank God. <laughs> uh, also, you have to have somebody willing to go to the police and claim to be a victim. Oh, man. Stop it, Felicia. <laughs> okay. All right. So, oh, man, I'm stuck on that one now. Hold on. I need a minute. Yeah. So, so that, you know, the misdemeanor one, it, like I said, it's getting a lot of people in trouble. Uh, in in some in many ways, it actually works an injustice to people. Um, obviously, there are cases where it is absolutely justified, uh, but it definitely that last provision casts such a broad net uh, mm. that it catches a lot of people in it that are completely unsuspecting. Um, but it's in there; it'll be in there forever because there is no congressman that would ever want to attempt to change that or clarify it. Because the media would be on that congressman the next day saying, you know, Congressman X wants to give guns to wife beaters. <laughs> so there's no I, – I don't foresee any kind of limitation ever being put on that. So for anybody who ever finds themselves in that situation now, make sure that your attorney fully explains the law to you. Mm. Uh, there are some options available, uh, but if you take a conviction on that, you know, you're going to be prohibited. And it may seem like we go over this stuff a lot, but these are some of the common questions we get over the phone every single day. I'll get people, and I have to break that hard news for them, you know, will call me and they say, hey, you know, I have this particular charge. Can I come into your store and purchase a firearm? And I'm like, no, you're barred for life. You cannot walk into a gun store and buy a gun because you can't answer these questions uh, you know, the only the first one is yes. Everything else is no. If you can't answer them no, then you will never be. You cannot purchase a firearm in a gun store. And, yeah, and, and and under 922 G3, you're prohibited from possessing a firearm. And so and that's on the federal law. So the right. state of Texas says, hey, after five years, you can own a gun at home for personal protection. Yes. And that is a that's a situation where Texas and federal law, they have a little discrepancy. Um and, and so for people, that, for people that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about if you're convicted of a felony, you're convicted of domestic violence after five years in Texas, you can own a gun at home for personal protection. Yeah. Well, for a felony, you can you can have it at home for domestic misdemeanor crimes of domestic violence. You can have it anywhere under Texas law, but you are still prohibited under federal law. And I have seen situations where the. Pardon me. The police will arrest a felon for being in possession of a firearm at their own home. The DA's office will realize, oh, my God, they fall under this Texas exception, and they will actually turn their names over to the U.S. attorney to see if the U.S. attorney wants to prosecute them under federal law. Now, talk about domestic violence again, because I may have been saying that wrong. In the, in the well, past. domestic violence, you can have the gun anywhere after five after years. After five years. Okay. Yes. You still have that five-year prohibition. Felons, you're only allowed to have it at your residence. People who are misdemeanor domestic violence folks, they can have it anywhere under state law. You mean like to and from your vehicle and in your vehicle, motorhome, watercraft, horse trailer, travel trailer. Correct. Now, you'll never be able to get get an an LTC, but you can have it at places where you could otherwise lawfully have your firearm. 
well, after five years. So for domestic violence after five years, can you walk into the gun store and purchase one? No. Okay. I didn't think so. Okay. So I'll make sure. And if somebody knows that you were convicted of domestic violence, uh, they would be unlawful in giving you the gun, regardless of whether they're a licensed dealer. So as a private sale? As a private sale. But if they don't know, then that's correct. They are if they not don't liable. know, then they're not liable. Ooh, that's a slippery slope we weave. Yes. Ooh. Anybody got anything to add to that? No? All right, so we're talking about the 4473. We're talking about walking to a gun store and purchasing the firearm. We're talking about 11E. Are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, uh, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? And it says the use of possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it, it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. We're talking about this. We're talking about other stuff. If you have questions for Edwin, definitely give us a call. It's 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Mann Jones. And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill to come and talk it. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're in the studio with Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Lord Joe Jackson, thank you. We could not remember Ann Hudson's name. I'm glad you're paying attention. You're listening because we couldn't think of her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We There are so many people out there that we ran into last night. It was a great parade. Pride was wonderful. Everyone's happy up until the point where we did have uh, that little organization, that group. That actually started uh, heckling me. Oh, what's their name? It's a woman's name. It was the, right. Betty, the, the uh, big boobs, the, the Betty Betty Ross. Right? Uh, Something and, like that. Yeah, huh? yeah. And they were standing on the side. They had signs, you know, guns are bad. You know, the boob lady. It was the boob lady. She had her boobs out and everything. And she was like, no, <laughs> guns are bad. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we were booed a couple times. Were we? Yeah. Oh, I didn't well, even hear Cutter that. Cutter and I were booed. Could have just been because it was Cutter and I. Yeah. But I don't even, yeah. We were booed a couple times. Some guy was like, we don't want you here. And I was like, really? We're not the Republicans that you have a problem with. Like, <laughs> you need to know thy enemy. But, um, I mean, it was fun. One person, one group announced us at the very end when we actually got to 4th Street. They did not announce us. In front of oil cans, right? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And they we even stopped in front us. of OCH, too. We stopped for a while. We were like, we're going to stand here until you say our name. Then oh. eventually the people with the band got closer. So oh, Okay, you have to catch that one. Yeah. Next year, we're going to go much bigger. Yeah, now you're talking. Much bigger. We're going to start. We're going to breathe today uh-huh. and then immediately start planning tomorrow. Nice. Going to be on the throne. Let's get a helicopter throne. next year. I want to be up high. Low-flying helicopter. I want to be in a big chair. No, we need you to dance. You're the life of the party. Oh, God, no. I'm too tired for that. I'm going to exercise and I'm going to get smaller so that way I can just sit in the throne. There's no throne. What throne are we talking about? <laughs> we Although, next year I think that we should definitely dress up the smart car and take the smart car. <laughs> dress up like what? Like a Tesla? Because the people from Tesla have been calling me. They're like, oh, you? how come you didn't call us? And da, da, no, da. I'm like, well, because everybody in Austin has a Tesla. With <laughs> With balloons and, like, pride flags, and we'll take Nancy the smart car with her come-and-take-it sticker. 
Okay. In the parade. Okay. All right. All right. All right, so Edwin, I got a question for you. So okay. someone asked, uh, can you, um, let's see, can you clarify if uh, if a Class B misdemeanor that prevents, will a Class B misdemeanor prevent a person from getting an LTC or purchase a firearm? Are there any Class B misdemeanors out there that will prevent a person from purchasing a firearm from a gun store or getting an LTC? Yeah, no, there's nothing, there's no, there's no misdemeanor that will prevent you from purchasing uh, but with regard to qualifying for an LTC, a Class B misdemeanor conviction uh, will a conviction or a fi- or a, a plea of deferred adjudication will prevent you for five years from getting your LTC. But no, there's no Class B misdemeanor uh, that would prevent you from purchasing a firearm. Now, what's domestic violence? That domestic is- violence is a Class A, okay, or a Class C, okay, or a second degree felony. Okay, all right, all right, cool, all right, awesome. Let's see any other questions out there. I'm going to ask away. Edmund's inside the studio. Oh, well, there is another one. Uh, it was it was added a couple of years ago, uh, impeding someone's airway. That's a third-degree felony. What is that? That is if you choke your spouse. Oh. So well, you don't you know. rise to the level of committing a serious bodily injury, which would make it an aggravated assault, a class B, a, a second-degree felony, but it is more severe than just simply uh, um, a physical contact that, can, that, uh, that has bodily injury. Uh, impeding the airway gets it bumped up to a felony. But Edwin, if they consent to it, then it's okay, though, right? Consent is a defense. Okay. So <laughs> yes. It, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric, I was going to say, I think the one that you're referring to, you're supposed to restrict the blood flow, not the airflow. But I, I don't know. That's just what I hear. <laughs> okay, you're trying to try get, it both ways. <laughs> you're trying to get me into that eight, eight second mark. <laughs> Well, what we say gets deleted because we have eight seconds delay. <laughs> All right, so let's not get there. I'm always in trouble. All right, so uh, I have some other questions for you, Edwin. All right, so um, and this is gonna be we're gonna change gears like a a, a lot here. This is to- something totally different. Uh, there's a question out there about alcohol and when you're a license holder and when it comes to being intoxicated. What about a long gun? What about a rifle, a shotgun? I'm a license holder. I have a handgun. Um, can I, you know, can I just, you know, instead of carrying that handgun as a license holder, can I carry around a shotgun with me or an AR-15? Uh, yeah, actually, you can. Um, there's no, uh, there's no prohibition against being intoxicated and carrying a long gun. There is a prohibition um, uh, against carrying a handgun if you're a license holder. Uh, so, so, you know, you have that, uh, the question we actually get asked most is, can I be intoxicated on my own property as Mm. a license holder? And the answer to that is yes, because you're only under the prohibition against being a license holder and being intoxicated. If you are carrying under the authority of your license, thank goodness. I'm at home and I'm always drunk at home. Yes. (laughs) So of course, whenever you are at home, you are not carrying under the authority of your license. You're carrying under the authority uh, given to you by exclusion under 4602. So since it is property under your control, uh, you know, you're not have you don't your license is not involved and so yes, you can be as drunk as you want to be. What so, if it's your best friend's home? Ooh. Well, if it's your best friend's home, that is a little more complicated because it is defined as property that you own or is under your control. And so what would have to happen is your best friend in the event that you were cited for such thing uh, your best friend would have to come to court and say, look, at this occasion when he was at my property, 
he had the authority to exclude people from my property. Therefore, at that particular time, it was, in fact, property under his control. So they'd have to vouch for you. Basically. Correct. They would have to vouch for you. All right. So another question out there is, I don't have a license, don't have a handgun license. Can I take my handgun over to a friend's house? Well, the same, same answer. Is no, that, well, just can I have it over at the friend's house? Yes. Okay. As long as, as, like I said, as long as your friend is willing to vouch that at the time you were there, it was property under your control, uh, then you can make the argument that you are covered by 4602. Because when you, violation. you don't have to have a license, you're still allowed to take your handgun from your home to your vehicle, and then you drive to your friend's house, and then you can take it from your vehicle to his home, which is under your control with right. his consent. Yes, but you have to be in directly en route, too. So you have to go so, straight there. Correct. And uh-huh. that's where that's where a lot of people, especially people who live in apartment complexes, uh, that's where this whole en route uh, language has not really been explored by an appellate court to determine what is en route and what is not en route. Say, for example, you know, you live in an apartment complex. Does directly en route mean that you go straight from your front door to the door of your car or what happens if you go check your mail at the community mailbox and then go to your car? Or you have to walk to the front office to pay your rent. Well, what is, how far does in route directly in route mean? And there's been no appellate cases that have actually ever ruled on that particular issue. All right. And so there's another question of um, what about those people who've renounced their U- United States citizenship? So those people can't purchase a firearm from a gun store either. Or yes, and but there's a lot of people say that hey, Trump gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. Right? There's an official. There is an official process to renounce your citizenship. Okay. So all right, it's not as simple of on Facebook saying, you know what, I'm done with the U.S. I'm moving. I'm I'm out of here. No, no, no. There's a there's an official process to do that. Okay. And from what I understand, it's not easy to do. So you really have to work at it. Okay. 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 I was just checking. That's a good. That was a good question. I didn't know the answer to that one either. Reminds right, so, me of that office episode where Michael just goes, I declare bank- bankruptcy. <laughs> like you, that's, not, that's not how you <laughs> declare bankruptcy. <laughs> was that the, the, the TV show Office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, and then uh, there's another one with uh, dishonorable discharge. So if, you're, if you have been discharged from the armed forces under um, dishonorable conditions, what about less than honorable conditions? Yeah, the ATF has actually ruled on that, and they said that that prohibition only applies to people who have dis- been dishonorably discharged. So, I mean, you're in the Army. How many di- types of discharge are there? They're, they're a bunch. They're like, I think, four, three, four, or something yes, like that? Yes, there's, there's uh, just general discharge, okay. honorable discharge, uh, discharge and less than honorable, uh, and then you're full-on dishonorable discharge. Okay. So they have held that it's just the straight dishonorable discharge is the actual prohibition. Uh, but for officers, uh, apparently officers cannot be dishonorably discharged. They have to be dismissed. And so the the, the courts have held that uh, if you are an officer who is dismissed, then you also meet the dishonorable discharge condition. Mm. Okay. Now, what about uh, security officers? So there's something totally different also. Uh, with security officers, I want to be a level three security officer. Is the requirement for, requirement for that the same as getting an LTC, life carry handgun? Do you know anything about that? Uh, I one. don't believe it is. I think that it's actually, um, you know, those those conditions are listed in the occupations code. Okay. Um, you certainly do have to meet the conditions that you have to be lawful to purchase and possess firearms. So that's the main condition. 
So if you're excluded under any of the 922 conditions, then you're not going to be able to become a level three security guard. Okay. All right. If you guys got any questions for Edwin, definitely give us a call. That's 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. Talking about marijuana. We're talking about uh, the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference that took place this weekend. That's going on right now. Today's the last day. We're talking about pride. We're talking about Alex Jones. We're talking about the First Amendment. You know, should you know, is it okay for Facebook to, you know, possibly change the election? That's what we're talking about. What were we talking about? <laughs> this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Maj Pure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Listen to Talk 1370 anywhere with your Amazon Echo. Just ask Alexa to play Talk 1370. Now playing Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're in our last segment here. We're talking about whatever you want to discuss. Uh, we're paying close attention to what's happening in Washington, D.C. The Unite the Right, Unite the Right is actually taking place right now, where the white nationalists are marching through D.C. for the Unite the Right rally. So that's happening right now. It's supposed to start right now in D.C. at 5 o'clock. Well, it actually should have started about an hour ago, but everyone's going live. Fox 32 out of Chicago is going live with it. So all the stations are talking about what's happening in D.C. with all that. And, you know, some people are trying to get me sucked into that. And you know what? I'm not going to get sucked in. Not going to let you do it. You know, if you want to go out and act crazy and try to divide this country, then you go forward. You act crazy and try to divide our country. I love our country. I love the United States of America. And I think that we all need to come together and try to do the right thing and be nice to each other. Um, And, you know, that's part of the problem with road rage and everything else that's going on. Stop being mean to each other. Let things go. It's not that serious. You know, someone's cutting in front of you. Uh, maybe you want to back off a little bit and just let them go. Let them get down to that accident. You know, let karma catch up with them. You know, it's going to happen. You know, for one, it could be me. You know, so <laughs> just let me go. You know, I'm just trying to get on down the road. I'm running late for something. You know, I don't mean anything bad by it. Uh, they may be texting or whatever. They're doing something they're not supposed to do. You know, just let them go. Just let it go. It's not that serious. Okay. Don't take everything so serious. Uh, the talk of the town was about this incident in Florida where the the couple pulled up to a gas station, I'm sorry, a corner store and walked into the store to buy the the boyfriend walked into the store with his son to buy candy. And uh, the gentleman, another gentleman sitting outside in his vehicle, decided that he was going to confront the lady that was driving because she was parked in a handicapped parking space. There's a lot of controversy around that because the sheriff's department did not, you know, recommend charges for uh, the young man for shooting this guy that came out of the store, pushed him to the ground because he was getting he got into an argument with the other gentleman's girlfriend. And so he pulled out his gun, shot and killed him. And so because the sheriff's department did not bring charges, uh, some people are really upset about that. You know, and it really when you look at you got to understand the law when it when you look at use of force and daily force, you look at, you know, in Texas, 
Uh, you look at our laws when it comes to force and daily force. The person really believe that they're, you know, basically they have a right to do something to stop someone from doing something. They can do that. If they think this person committing aggravated kidnapping, murder, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, robbery, aggravated robbery, they think this person is trying to kill them. They want to stop it. If they're justified using force to stop that, then they're justified using daily force, even though that's not something that we we don't teach, you know, this scenario in class. Uh, we don't teach someone to, you know, take the law into your own hands. We talk about, hey, why don't you contact the police? Let law enforcement handle that situation because that person's parking in a handicapped parking space. Uh, we talk about using conflict resolution, how to calm those situations down. Um, and we also talk about don't walk outside and put your hands on someone else because uh, you're hovering over this person. You just push them to the ground. They look up, see you standing over them. And that person may perceive you as a threat and pull out their gun and shoot you. That's a possibility. Uh, we also talk about, you know, make sure that gun is your very last option. There are other things that you can do. There's pepper spray. There's stun gun. Other things out there. So we talk about a lot of different things. And I can see this, you know, turning out a, a whole lot of different ways. But, you know, was this guy justified? Me personally? Yeah. I think he was justified if he perceived that this person was trying to kill him. And so if that's what he thought, then, you know, hey. That's what happened, and, and I'll be very shocked if this does go to a grand jury. If it does go to the trial, I'll be shocked if he gets you know, convicted. Yeah, but, uh, Edwin, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Florida actually has a little bit different law than Texas does. In Texas, the issue of self-defense is clearly an issue for the jury. And so the police simply can, advise, can, can arrest somebody for assault or murder or aggravated assault whenever they have probable cause to believe that this person unlawfully injured another person. If they claim self-defense, that's an issue to be decided at trial by the jury. Florida procedurally is a little bit different. Florida says that if you claim self-defense, you're actually not allowed to be arrested, but the state attorney can decide to pursue the charge and basically subject your claim of self-defense or stand your ground uh, to a pretrial issue where the court will decide whether or not you're allowed to argue that. And so saying that the sheriff didn't charge him is not correct. The sheriff's hands were actually kind of tied because the guy pled self-defense. Now, obviously, the state has full authority to investigate this, file charges if they believe it's necessary, issue an arrest warrant, and then the, the sheriff will go and arrest him. Uh, but with regard to that situation, I know people were really quick to rush to judgment. I mean, this guy was not just knocked down. He was blasted down. I mean, that that was a full-on assault that he received. Now, the thing we don't know is what this other guy was saying. He may have been telling his girlfriend, hey, get me my gun out of my glove compartment. I'm going to show this guy. And so a physical act coupled with some sort of verbal threat like that certainly would give the reasonable person uh, the right to believe that they were in danger of death or serious bodily injury. Mm. So I think that the sheriff's department, they may know what transpired that wasn't caught on the videotape. And I think that that's what led them to believe that this guy has a legitimate, credible self-defense claim. Mm. So because that was, that was an extremely forceful, you know, hit to the ground. And the thing about it is, you know, I know we're talking about free speech and the first amendment and everything else. Um, you know, you're allowed to sit there and yell at somebody that you disagree with. Um, you're not allowed to <clears throat> threaten them, but as long as you're saying, Hey, I think you're an idiot for parking in this handicapped parking space. And, you know, you ought to have your license revoked and who taught you how to drive. And, 
you know, you can be as insulting as you want to be. Um, and that's well within your, you know, that's well within your free speech rights. Uh, he looked like he was just standing there yelling at her, perfectly acceptable. And then this guy obviously took umbrage to that. And the thing about it is you're not allowed to do that. I mean, even in the self-defense context, uh, you're not allowed to use force or deadly force in response to verbal provocation alone. So somebody can come up to you and just, you know, MF you up and down, <laughs> and you just sort of have to sit there and take it. Now, if they couple that verbal antagonism with a physical act, like reaching into their pocket or, uh, you know, drawing back their fist or, you know, pulling a knife out of their belt or something like that, uh, now they have taken it to the next level, and it's not just verbal provocation alone. Because verbal by itself, you know, is not justification for you to use force or daily force to stop someone. It needs to be a little more than just Correct. Verbal. You need to be able to say verbal coupled with what he did physically led me to believe that I had that I that it was necessary for me to use force or deadly force. All right. So what do you what think? Oh, I'm sorry. What if they say they're going to beat your ass or I'm going to hit you? I'm going to hit you. What if they say that? Well, they like I said, it has to be coupled with something you can articulate about what they did physically. So if they're just standing there, you know, and you can see their hands and they're like, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat the crap out of you, then that's all they're doing. But, you know, and even just the, the slightest type of physical corroboration can, you know, it will be necessary. So if you ever find yourself in a position where you're like, look, I had, or if they're saying that they want to commit a crime, like if somebody comes up and says, you know, give me $5, they're trying to rob you. Uh, they're making a verbal threat, but you can you can you can articulate things like, you know, they they had their hand in their pocket, or they came towards me whenever I told them to stop, uh, or they you know they they pulled they balled up their fist, or they took a swing at me or something. But there has to be you do have to wait for that kind of physical act. Um, now, obviously, there are going to be situations that are very dicey. You know, what if it turns out that it's like you know, like an old West, you know, gunfight where, look, I'm telling you that I'm going to shoot you, but until I actually go for my gun, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, those situations are going to exist. And so if you ever find yourself in that, you really have to emphasize what sort of physical act that person did that gave you the belief that your use of force or deadly force was justified. Anybody? So just reaching in your pocket while you're verbally threatening someone is enough for them to use force. Yeah, it could be. Police call that a furtive movement. So if you, and believe me, they go after people for furtive movements all the time. And that is the most common furtive movement is moving your hands around your waist and pocket area. All right. So then last one I have for you, Edwin, is uh, what about this 3D printing? And what Defense Distributed is going through, um, the case that they won, uh, well, the government said, hey, you know, we're going to settle this case and give you what you want, allow you to actually release the blueprints, the firearms online. And then you have uh, now, what, 21 states attorneys, uh, attorney generals are saying, hey, you know, they got a, an, a temporary restraining order. Say, no, you're not going to be able to release this information. So what does that mean for us? Well, um, you know, we started the show talking about the First Amendment, and I guess we end the show talking about the First <laughs> Amendment. And this is actually a perfect example of the difference between uh, 3D printed guns and Alex Jones. Mm. Uh, because in Alex Jones, so far, the government has not threatened to do anything. 
here, the government has actually threatened to do anything, do something. And so this is a First Amendment issue. It's always been a First Amendment issue. It clearly is just the dissemination of information. And if you have attorney generals or you have federal judges that are going to step in and say, we are going to prevent the Internet from distributing this information, that's the state action that violates the First Amendment. So so it's going to be a very interesting to see how it plays out. I know that there's a hearing coming up. It'll be interesting to see if the federal judge reverses themselves on the stay uh, that they issued. But uh, people need to realize that uh, with regard to 3D printed guns, it's a First Amendment case. It's not necessarily a Second Amendment case. People have always had the lawful ability to build their own firearms in their house, in their garage, at their warehouse, wherever they want to do. And just the fact that you have a plastic 3D printed gun it does not circumvent any federal or state firearms law that exists. So if you're illegal to have a regular gun, then you're illegal to have a plastic gun. All right. So basically what we've you know come to the conclusion is uh, it's a private company. Facebook is a private company, basically what I hear you saying. And as that private company, they have the right to do what they're doing because they're a private entity. Uh, if the government was involved in that, then that would be something totally different. So it's going to be up to the people. It's going to be up to you and me to decide, you know, do I want to use this platform because of what they're doing to Alex Jones? Maybe I should take the power in my own hands and decide not to use that platform because of what they're doing. First, they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I just did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak out. Because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You were listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.